Welcome to Light the Lamp here on Duckstream, presented by Gettle. I am your host, Alexis Downey. Exciting news, Gettle is now the official HVAC partner of the Anaheim Ducks and the Honda Center, keeping things cool on the ice and warm at home. Gettle, your trusted HVAC and plumbing partner. Visit gettle.com slash ducks for exclusive promotions. G-O-E-T-T-L. We make comfort easy to spell. Coast to coast, nonstop action. This is the premier source for National Hockey League news. Scores, highlights, and the Anaheim Ducks. It's time to light the lamp with Alexis Downey. Now let's get to the show. The Anaheim Ducks had quite a busy weekend of hockey with back-to-back games on Saturday and Sunday. So first, let's take a look at that game on Saturday against the Arizona Coyotes. A 2-1 loss on the road, a matinee game, Mullet Arena, the home opener for the Coyotes. Definitely not the easiest situation to walk into, but the Ducks certainly took advantage of this one. Frank Vetrano had the team's lone goal, the first team power play goal of the season. Finally good to get that one checked off the list. Definitely saw some strides there, too, on both of the power play units in general, but it was all about the penalties. That's really what hurt the Ducks in that game. We saw some of that in the early stages of some of the other games that the Ducks have played in, but it certainly played a factor in this one on Saturday as the team had to go on the PK five times, allowing a goal and then also allowing a goal on a delayed penalty. And this game really got chippy too. I mean, I think I consider the Arizona Coyotes a rival at this point after watching the way that the two teams have played in the past two seasons already. Lukas Dostal was in the net for this one, stopping 25 of 27 shots. And overall, I mean, I thought the Ducks outplayed the Coyotes, especially in the five-on-five game. But because they spent so much time having to chase, being down a man, it just didn't end up working out in their favor. And then we went into Sunday's game as it was a back-to-back, this one back at Honda Center, taking on an undefeated Boston Bruins team A lot to be learned from Saturday's game into Sunday's game. And I have to tell you, I was impressed by the Ducks in Sunday's game. Taking on a team as tough as Boston, as good as they are with their talent up and down the lineup, it was not going to be an easy task. And the Ducks showed so much compete in Sunday's game. I mean, no goals were scored until the third period of this game. And it was the Ducks that were able to get on the board first. Mason McTavish netting the lone goal it would be for the Ducks as they did end up losing this one 3-1. to one. But the Bruins, two of their goals coming from Matthew Poitras and then the last one coming on an empty netter from Brad Marchand. Yes, it was a disappointing ending to the game as, like I said, they showed a lot of compete, but ultimately just falling short to this tough Bruins team. John Gibson in the net for this one. And it's also tough because now the Ducks go on the road all of this week for a four-game road trip out east, so not necessarily the way you want to start a road trip. Also, in knowing some of the talent that they will be seeing on the road, they're going to be taking on the Columbus Blue Jackets on Tuesday, the Boston Bruins once again on Thursday, the Philadelphia Flyers on Saturday, and then rounding out the trip with the Pittsburgh Penguins next Monday before they return back to Honda Center for a November 1 game against the Arizona Coyotes. 
Busy week for the Ducks ahead as they have plenty of hockey to be played and a lot of traveling in between as well. But if you look at the two games from the weekend, there's certainly some positives to build off of. One other thing I did not note in the lineup on Sunday was that Leo Carlson was not in the lineup. He is now on a developmental plan that the organization has for him to help manage his schedule this first half of the season, really going to be looked at as a second-half player. And I mean, hey, he's only 18 years old. He's got such a high ceiling, and he is only so young. In his first year in the NHL, I'm just really looking forward to what Leo Carlson is going to continue to bring to the Ducks as he has been so strong in the games that we have seen him play in thus far. Also to note, all 32 NHL teams will be taking the ice on Tuesday for the very first time this season. 32 teams, that means 16 games Tuesday night. How do you even watch all of them? Well, ESPN has a plan for that. They will be kind of airing like a red zone type feed with John Bucci-Gross and Kevin Weeks in their studio. I'm looking forward to seeing that. I think it's going to be pretty cool for the NHL to have something like that, even though it's going to be hard to keep up with everything going on. But of course, I will be focused in on our Ducks and Blue Jackets game. Also, because we will get to see Adam Fantilli in that one. But now let's get to today's guest, a first-time guest on Light the Lamp. Excited to have her join us. Anna Dua, she chatted with us recently about the early NHL season and which teams she's looking at in each of the divisions, plus a little bit more on her background growing up playing the sport. Take a listen. Well, with it being so early in the season, I thought it would be fitting to bring on someone who can give us a look at what NHL fantasy looks like this season and a first time guest too of Light the Lamp, Anna Dua. Anna, thank you so much for joining us on Light the Lamp. How are you doing today? I'm doing so good. Excited to be here with you. Thanks for having me. Well, for those of our listeners that don't know much about you, I want to give some background on where you came from where you grew up. I know you're a dual citizen too. So where, where exactly did you grow up and how did hockey, you know, become your thing? So I'm from Toronto, uh, which makes sense why hockey became my thing. It's pretty big up there. <laughs> grew up in that, that area and then eventually moved down to the States. My dad's American, my mom's Canadian. So kind of got to see both sides of hockey in North America, which is really special growing up. And because I'm from Canada, I played hockey pretty much my entire life. So it's really nice to be able to work in it and still stay connected to the sport now. Do you have any siblings that you also played hockey with? No siblings, only child, which my parents are thrilled about, because let me tell you, <laughs> any more 4 a.m. practices, and I'm sure my parents would not have been happy growing up. Well, as far as your journey in hockey, I mean, did you always think that you would work in the sport or was it always just a, a passion for you? I did not. Actually, I was just mostly focused on playing. I loved playing hockey. It was so fun for me. And then eventually later on, I got hurt. I injured my knee and that was kind of the end of my hockey career. And I went through like a midlife. I was like a teenager, so definitely not midlife, but like somewhat <laughs> crisis about what I wanted to do in my life. I was going to go to college, play hockey, study business, like pretty much every other hockey player in the world. But then I was like, I don't even like business. Now I'm not playing hockey. What do I do? And my mom was like, maybe you should be a sports broadcaster. And that was literally it. I was like, yeah, I will be a sports broadcaster. So then completely changed my life trajectory. And now I'm here. So I guess it worked out. So shout out to my mom for that idea. <laughs> what position in hockey did you play? 
I was a center, so okay. a fun position. I love watching other centers in the league. I know Anaheim has a couple of good young centers on their roster, so it's a position I monitor a little bit closely, but yeah. Do you have a favorite center in the league then? I I mean, like, I'm like 24 years old and I'm from Canada, so it's obviously going to be Sidney Crosby. I feel like <laughs> if you ask anyone my age from Canada that question growing up, it's got to be him. He was just such a great player to watch. It is kind of weird now with kids like Connor Bedard entering the league and them saying the same thing, being like, yeah, I grew up watching Sidney Crosby. I'm like, oh my God, I'm covering someone who is like younger than me, who has like the same experience as me. That's so trippy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, in terms of then getting into the broadcasting industry, what was your journey like on that end? So in college, while I was in school, I went to school up in Toronto. I used to work for the Toronto Maple Leafs for a couple of seasons and very lucky to have had that experience. It's a great organization, one of the oldest teams in hockey. And it was really nice to step in that way. And then honestly, after that, the like ball just kept on rolling. I worked for NBC Sports from NBC Sports um, before they lost the rights to the NHL to ESPN. Once that happened, someone from the NHL reached out. They were like, do you want this job? And I was like, I'm not going to say no to this job if you're offering it to me. And then I moved over to the league and the NHL network. And I've been here for almost two years now. My two year anniversary is in March. So like been here for a little bit of time, time's flying. And that's kind of how I got here. Very lucky, very blessed to be able to do this, but yeah, everything just kind of aligned. And your parents, I mean, what, what did they think in knowing that, you know, you mentioned your mom was like, Oh, you should go into sports broadcasting and then seeing where you are now with the NHL. I mean, they're so excited, right? My parents still live up in Burlington, Ontario, which is just about an hour outside of Toronto. And up there, it's like a really, really big thing. In New York, it's also a big thing down in the States, but it's not quite the same level as Canada. So it's really nice that they're having the time of their lives watching me. And whenever I go home, all my neighbors are like, oh my God, we like saw you on TV. Like your parents <laughs> like sent us to you on TV. It's so cool. So it's been really fun. They're really pumped. And obviously I grew up in a hockey family. So it's really nice that they get to see me be connected to the sport for my entire life. Because I know they were like a little bit stressed out when I stopped playing hockey about what I was going to do next since I'd played it pretty much as long as I could remember. And I know that they're happy that I'm just doing exactly what I love right now. Do you have a favorite event or moment so far that you've been able to cover? For me, I think in terms of what I've covered so far, my favorite event that I covered was the stadium series this past year in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. So being from Toronto, like hockey's in everyone's blood there. Most people play hockey. Everyone watches hockey. That's just the biggest sport there is up there. And sometimes you kind of take that for granted, just it being like the fiber of the population in that area. And going down to a place like North Carolina, where they haven't had a team for that long, it took a while for them to build traction. They really had to revamp the organization. And it's not a place where a lot of kids play hockey. They don't have that much exposure to the sport. And they had an outdoor game. It was sold out. Like I was there the week before. Even like a couple of days before the game, people were walking around in Hurricanes jerseys everywhere. They were playing against the Capitals and they've also built traction. But um, growing up, I actually lived in the Washington, D.C. area for a while. Mm. Hockey wasn't too big there in my lifetime as well before the Alex Ovechkin era really began. So seeing two clubs like that be able to pull out like a sold out crowd, like an outdoor game, such an amazing atmosphere and see like the sport spreading to a place where it's not so popular in terms of history. It was like really special. It's nice. Mm 
nice to see the sport grow in like non-traditional markets. Yeah. Kind of going off of that, just how the sport has grown and even like the addition of the Seattle Kraken and Vegas and things like our teams like that. Uh, what is your perspective of how the sport has grown? And also as a woman who has, you know, grown up in hockey, played hockey, the sport too, what has been your impression of how the sport has grown in that aspect too? It's so special. I mean, now we're seeing the growth of women's hockey as well with the PWHL, which is phenomenal. And I'm so excited to see how that pans out. But just the sport growing in markets and like a place like Seattle, it was like a long time coming in Canada. We're big junior hockey folks and they have a WHL team in Seattle that's been pretty popular. It's nice to see them getting an NHL club and all over the league. It's nice to see the sport growing. I feel like you have this kind of like effect where when you get a superstar player or like a miracle run with a team all of a sudden you can see the interest in hockey growing not just as fans but as like kids playing like in dc when i lived there i went to high school down there i coached hockey as well and i remember after the washington capitals won the stanley cup the uptake in kids who wanted to play hockey just went through the roof and like especially girls who wanted to play hockey so getting to see a moment like that your team doing well or having like a superstar player like the Alex Ovechkins of the world in these markets all of a sudden you see kids wanting to play and I always say like once you start playing hockey and you're in hockey you never really leave because it's such a close-knit family it's one of those sports where more than it feels like being a fan it feels like being a part of like this really big family so it just takes that one person to get into and then it kind of just trickles down because up in Canada it's like a generational thing right like once you're in a hockey family you're in it for life and it's nice to see that trickling down to the states as well. Well, you already mentioned this team, but let's talk about the hockey side of things now. I appreciate you sharing some of your background, too. But you mentioned the Carolina Hurricanes. That is a team that's the Anaheim Ducks just saw on Sunday, and it was a pretty big win for the Ducks, continuing their home opener streak for now eight years. But let's talk about the Ducks in in particular, what you've seen out of them so far. What is your impression of this team this year under new head coach Greg Cronin? I think the Anaheim Ducks have a really bright future. That's what I have to say. I mean, it's tough because you want results right now, but in the league, it takes time to become a team that becomes a contender year after year. And you're talking about a team like the Carolina Hurricanes. It took them a while to become a playoff team again. They had to get these young guys in the draft that they picked up their Sebastian Ajos, their Svechnikovs, and they slowly built their roster back up and then they became a routine playoff team and now they're a cup contender year after year. Anaheim's kind of in that process as well. Getting a big win against the Carolina Hurricanes. I mean, that's got to get some momentum for them so far this season. And I know I said if the Ducks only played in home openers, they would be like a dynasty at this point since they're so great on home ice to kick <laughs> I saw off that tweet. Season. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow, this is so impressive, but they should be excited about the talent they have. Like Trevor Zegras is a huge name across the league and he's so young and he's been here for a while. I feel like people kind of forget how young he really is and the Mason McCavishes of the world and all of these guys and they are getting Carlson in the draft. Like they're building the roster that they need to really become contenders. But the NHL is so deep right now. We're seeing a lot of teams on the tail end of their kind of window, like the Pittsburgh Penguins are trying to make another run at it. The Boston Bruins are trying to hold on to what they had last season. And those are aging teams with aging core groups. They're not going to be who they are right now in the next two to three years, which is in my eyes, the best time for Anaheim to kind of get into the mix for a couple of years to come. 
You mentioned Leo Carlson, the Ducks taking him in this past summer's draft at number two. What do you think the ceiling is for him this year, you know, in his rookie season? You always have to be careful with making projections for like rookies because it takes a while to get used to the NHL. Right. I think he's a great player. I think he's a great skater. I think he is an NHL caliber player this season, which is very impressive in its own right. It usually takes these young players some time to make their way into the NHL. It's different hockey than they've ever played before in their entire lives. So you want to give them some bandwidth to kind of get there. It's tough this year because the draft, my goodness, <laughs> this rookie class was so stacked. And mm -hmm. I think we're all like seeing what Connor Bedard is doing, but Connor Bedard is a generational talent. There's no question about it. Mm -hmm. I don't think that exact trajectory is going to happen instantaneously for every single person, but I'm really high on Leo Carlson. I think just like specifically like, the little parts of his game that really impressed me make me think that he was like a great pickup. I wasn't, I know some people were hoping that the ducks took Adam Fantilli, but I think Carlson was, was a good choice for them. And hey, we have a quick reminder for you because we have exciting news. Gettle is now the official HVAC partner of the Anaheim Ducks and the Honda Center, keeping things cool on the ice and warm at home. Gettle, your trusted HVAC and plumbing partner. Visit Gettle.com slash Ducks for exclusive promotions. G-O-E-T-T-L. We make comfort easy to spell. Which player on this current Ducks roster would bring the most value to a fantasy team? Outside of Trevor Zegras, I feel like that seems to be like the go-to option yes. for fantasy <laughs> hockey, for sure. Um, a player that I'm particularly really high on is Mason McTavish. I might be a little bit biased because Mason McTavish was responsible for one of the best World Juniors moments for Canada I've ever seen in my entire life. So he's a big, big, we're, we're big fans of him up north for sure. I think he has a really high ceiling. Last season, he ranked third among rookies in points. I think that gets played a little bit underneath the rug. And you have to see the environment he was doing it in too, right? When you're playing on a team that's rebuilding, kind of trying to find their momentum like the Ducks and still being able to rank that high among rookies in the year, that's really impressive in my eyes. I think he has a pretty high ceiling depending on who he plays within the lineup. I know they're trying to move some things around a little bit night after night. I'm excited to see what Mason McTavish can do this year. In particular in the Pacific Division, looking at some of the other teams outside of Anaheim, is there a team that stands out in your mind and maybe a player too also on the fantasy side of things that you that comes to mind? Uh, it's, it's tough right now. It's so stacked. I know we all disagreed in terms of like, at least over on the NHL fantasy group, we were all debating like who's going to make the postseason. It's really, really close. I was one of the people who had Vancouver making the postseason in a wild card spot and man, have they been off to like a hot start this season, back-to-back -back wins against the Oilers. They won eight one in their season opener. So that squad really impressed me straight off the bat. Can they maintain it? I don't necessarily know, but a guy like Pedersen, he's a 100-point player last year. He's proven himself in the first couple of games of the season, at the very least, that he has that momentum. He could do it again. So he's a guy that I have my eye on. But even down that lineup, Brock Besser is a player who we've never really seen him hit his full ceiling and full potential. He kicks off his year with a four-goal game. He could be like a full-fledged breakout candidate this season that we could see take the next level. So that Canucks team is sneaky because I had them in a wild card spot, but the way they've started their season so far, I mean, like teams like the Oilers are like getting a little bit concerned about having to play that squad. Mm -hmm. Well, looking out the central division now to which team in your mind stands out there? 
Uh, I'm really big on the Arizona Coyotes. I'm going with like the underdog teams right now. I don't want to just talk about like the Colorado Avalanche yeah. and like the Minnesota Wild and Dallas Stars of the world. Like those are good squads. I think they're going to make the postseason. But the Arizona Coyotes have really impressed me to kick off the year as well. I think Clayton Keller is a world class player. I think Nick Schmoltz, when he's healthy, is also like could be a point per game player. And then Logan Cooley mm-hmm. is an NHL player. I think that as a skater, he would probably be Connor Bedard's biggest contention for the Calder. I really don't think it's much of a competition, but as a skater, Logan Cooley's next up for me. And he's just impressed me so much in the preseason. He was a standout for sure, but even a kickoff this year, I mean, the Arizona coyotes have not had an easy schedule to start their season and they've looked like a competitive team. And I'm excited to see teams like the coyotes who we haven't seen, like actually make a push for the playoffs, maybe be in that conversation in the spring. And that's a team that the ducks will be seeing this weekend. So that is on Saturday. We'll be taking on the coyotes, but we'll keep going down the line, the metropolitan division, which team is, do you have your eye on in that division? Well, I think like the standout team in the Metro, especially after the first week of the season, like the New Jersey Devils had a lot of hype heading into this year after the performance they put up last year. And it has not been the start that New Jersey wanted. So I think that goes and shows how far the Carolina Hurricanes are truly ahead of a lot of other teams in that division. I think the Hurricanes have done a good job building the squad that they have. They've had some tough luck last year, for sure. I don't like blaming luck in hockey because you really have to have that next man up mentality. But man, the cards they were dealt with Max Pacioretty being out for the entire season with his Achilles injury and then losing their best goal scorer and Andrei Svechnikov pretty much right before they got into that down the stretch of the season and into the postseason. That's stuff that's really tough to recover from as a club. And I feel like the injuries just kept piling up for this team. And this year, once they get all their players back, I know Sebastian Ajo just left the game with an injury from last night. So I'm hoping that doesn't last too long for this team. But when they get Svechnikov back in the lineup, when they get their whole roster ready to go they have a complete team from top to bottom and it's going to be tough to be they're one of the teams i'm looking at to win the president's trophy this year even in the regular season but as it stands right now they are probably my cup favorites a team in that division that hasn't been you haven't been too high on is the washington capitals a team that you know being from that dc area but uh what's your take on where they're they're at right now It's tough. They're in for a lot of trouble right now. They're just not even putting up shots on net, which is not what you want to see from this club. They have Alex Ovechkin, and I know he has that goal-scoring title that he's chasing after, running after, and I'm sure he's going to get a lot of playing time and put a lot of shots on net, but it's not a one-man show. He can't do it by himself. And just the performance I've seen from the Capitals, I wasn't expecting it to be as underwhelming as it has been. I knew this team was on the decline. I didn't have them making the postseason, but I wasn't expecting them to struggle as much as they did. I mean, the last game they played, I think, against Calgary, they didn't have like a shot on goal halfway through the first period, which is not possible. Like you cannot be doing that if you want to be a competitive team in this league. And they figured it out. They went on to win that game. But at the very end of the day, like the Washington Capitals, it's tough to see because so long in this league, it's been the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Washington Capitals. That's been like two of the teams that have consistently made the postseason, had these superstar players like Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin. And last season, neither of them made the postseason. And this season, it's looking like at the very least, the Washington Capitals will be out of the mix. It's tough to see. But Tides have to change eventually, right? You can't have those (laughs) dynasties last forever. So the Washington Capitals, in my eyes, are on a little bit of a decline right now. Well, let's finish it out and talk about that Atlantic division. Which team are you looking at there? 
So the Atlantic division is the most interesting division in hockey. I think this season, just because we have like the two elephants in the room of the Buffalo Sabres and the Ottawa Senators, which are two teams that have been on the cusp of the postseason for the last couple of years. People think they're going to take the next step. They're going to take the next step. They haven't quite done it, but this season, a lot of people had one or the other, sometimes even both. I had both making the postseason, And I think it's very viable that we see like a changing of the guard in the Atlantic with the Ottawa Senators kind of sneaking in there. They've had a good start. The Buffalo Sabres have not had a good start to the year, but it's only been one week. So mm-hmm. I'm not giving them that much flack. I think they'll turn it around. I've been really impressed by the Detroit Red Wings. They were a team that were also like kind of in the mix. I thought that maybe the Sabres and the Senators had an edge over the Red Wings, but that team has come out and shown that they are definitely going to be contending for a playoff spot at the very least if they maintain the momentum they've had to kick off the season they're going to be in that conversation but for me at the top of the Atlantic despite like what we've seen so far there have been high highs and low lows the Toronto Maple Leafs are definitely the team that I have my eye on they have the squad that they need to they have that superpower they have like so many players galore on that squad if there's a season they're gonna make a mark it really has to be this season with all the contract talks they have up and trying to fit all of these young superstar players into one lineup but the Leafs have a very very high ceiling this year they're a good regular season team so Mm -hmm. their real test comes into the postseason it doesn't really matter how they do in the regular season I'm sure they're going to do well as they always do but I have a feeling that this is finally the year where they can shrug off some of these like postseason blues that they've been cursed with for my entire (laughs) lifetime to be honest probably my parents lifetime as well Well, Austin Matthews getting a pretty hot start with two back-to-back hat tricks, so that's not too bad for them to start. (laughs) Absolutely, and it's crazy because last season everyone was like, Austin Matthews is having like an off year, and I was like, he's still like, his numbers are insane. If it was anyone other than Austin Matthews, they would not be having an off year. I guess he heard everyone saying that and kicked off the year with two back-to-back hat tricks and he's getting time on the penalty kill. Like they're switching up his role on that team. They're not just keeping him as the goal scoring guy anymore. He's playing a more full game. I like that for Austin Matthews. I think the piece that they added over the off season, bringing on Ryan Reeves, bringing on guys like Tyler Bertuzzi, Max Domi, they have the rookie Matthew Nyes. They have more like diversity in their lineup than they have in the past couple of seasons where we see the same line combinations night after night and the core four expected to carry this team. Now they're bringing up those like extra pieces that really round out a full squad. So I'm excited to see what the Leafs will do. Well, only week two for this NHL season, but on the fantasy side of things, who were some players going into this week that you were looking at? And maybe now as we're already halfway through the week, like some other players that might have stood out to you so far. I mean, there are high highs and low lows so far. We were we just filmed an episode of the NHL Fantasy on Ice podcast where we talked about players who really impressed us that were going under the radar. Like we like looking at deep cut players that maybe a lot of fans don't really pay that much close attention to, but we pick up on their trends. Daniel Sprong on the Detroit Red Wings is one player that I he's kind of like been able to pick up points throughout his career from team to team, but the start he's had with the Red Wings has been so incredibly impressive and I I think the entire Detroit Red Wings team, I mean, Dylan Larkin's putting up so many shots on goal game after game. Like they have these offensive pieces that I'm really monitoring specifically in fantasy and looking at specific categories like shots on goal. You can get value in so many teams like that. And then on the other side, the flip side of the coin, you have a team like the Buffalo Sabres, where I feel like so many people were expecting them to kind of take that next step. Mm -hmm. And the Buffalo Sabres just 
Oh my God. They've disappointed some of fantasy owners so far. Tage Thompson was the big name. We had him ranked so high in our rankings entering into the year. And he just hasn't been able to pick up the momentum that we saw from him last season. And it's a lot of pressure to put on a guy like that, but we went as far as some of us. We had bold predictions to say maybe he could contend for the heart if the Buffalo Sabres make the postseason and he puts up the numbers he did again last year. He can score so many goals and just hasn't happened yet for that team. So a lot of fantasy owners who took Tage Thompson maybe in the first round or just outside of the first round are probably not thrilled. But once again, it's just week one of the season. I'm sure a lot of it will turn around. Well, Anna, I have to ask you too, because I know it is your thing, but Calzones. And I saw you put out a request on Twitter the other day too, asking for the best pizza shop in New York City. Uh, how did this whole calzone thing start for you? And maybe give a little oh bit of background too on it. This is like so funny. So shout out to our mutual friend Johnny Lazarus oh, for actually being oh, the he's reason involved it started. In it's, he's the reason it started. Okay. So like, I have like some. I think they're good food takes. A lot of people don't think they're great food takes. So I, I mean, I'm living in New York City right now, but I'm from Toronto. So people take their Italian food really seriously down in New York. Mm-hmm. Not so much in like Burlington, Ontario. My entire life, whenever I eat pizza, I roll it up. So like the pieces of the pizza don't fall out that's just been how I eat pizza forever and during a show we did last postseason called Stanley Cup Central we were um Johnny was on it with me and after the show whenever it went to overtime we got pizza and that was just the thing it was like overtime pizza and the first time we got it I was eating it the way I eat it and Johnny was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm eating my pizza. He recorded it. The video, the original Calzone video is somewhere up on Twitter because he's the one who posted it. And he was like, that's not a pizza. And I was like, okay, well, then it's a Calzone. Mm-hmm. And I just said that it like blew up. OT Calzones became a thing. It's really fun to like engage with fans. They'll tell me like what toppings to try. So I've tried some like fun toppings on the OT zones. There are a lot of overtime games during the postseason last year. I'm not going to lie. So I got my fill of calzones, but that's just been the thing. It's been nice to reach out to like local like pizza shops have reached out to me, asking me oh, to try their awesome. pizza. There's been like calzone places all over too, not just in New York. There's been like people in Montreal who've been like, oh, when you're in Montreal, like come here and try like a calzone. So it's a fun little thing that's kind of continued. But if people are having fun with it, I'm having fun with it. Johnny is the reason it started. Though, <laughs> it's all a part of the brand now. <laughs> it is a part of the brand. Now I feel like everything I go on, everyone asks about the calzones and I'm like, well, this is, this is what I'm known for. (laughs) Well, Anna, why don't you also give our listeners an idea of where they can find your work and follow along with you this season? Yeah, you can find our work on the NHL.com slash fantasy for all of your fantasy stuff. We have the NHL fantasy on ice podcast that goes out every Monday and every Thursday throughout the season. In addition to that, I host a show every Tuesday for the NHL called three to watch. So tune into that as well as tuning into the NHL network where you can find me like all the time throughout the week. So, <laughs> and Anna works with our also good friend on light the lamp, Pete Jensen. So to say hello to him for us too, but Anna, thank you so much for joining us today. Love to have you back another time this season and uh, we'll talk again soon. Thank you. Will do. Thanks for having me on. It was so fun. Thank you for listening to Light the Lamp. I am Alexis Downey. Come back again next time for more Hockey Talk on Duck Stream presented by Gettle. 
Get your home cozy with Gettle Rejuvenation for just $129. We'll prep your HVAC for the season so you're ready to cheer on our ducks. Call 866-671-9822 or visit gettle.com slash ducks. G-O-E-T-T-L, we make comfort easy to spell. This is an Anaheim Ducks original production on Duck Stream.